to Trek Companion. This is episode 224. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And we are full of energy tonight, and we are going to be good to, uh, discussing <laughs> Bride of Chaotica, Gravity, and Bliss from Voyager's fifth season. Here we go. Bride of Chaotica, Season 5, Episode 12, Production Code 207, Original Air Date, January 27th, 1999, Directed by Alan Croker, Story by Brian Fuller, Teleplay by Brian Fuller and Michael Taylor, Music Composed by David Bell. Guest cast include Martin Rayner as Dr. Chaotica, Nicholas Wirth as Lozak, Paul F. O'Brien as Gerald, Jim Crestalude as Alien, and Kirsten Turner as Constance Goodhart. <laughs> During an episode of The Adventures of Captain Proton on the holodeck, Ensign Tom Paris and Harry Kim are forced to leave the program running when spatial distortions trap the ship and disrupt their control over the computer. While the crew of Voyager seek to discover a way to free the ship from the spatial distortions, extra-dimensional aliens who exist in photonic state cross over from their own dimension through a distortion located in the holodeck. In the story, he's in love with her. He's been trying to form an alliance since Chapter 3. She's the only one that he trusts, the only one who can get close enough to disable the lightning shield. Somebody is going to have to take on her character. Who'd you have in mind? Oh, no. no it's the role of a lifetime. Oh. Captain, need I remind you that we have exhausted all other possibilities of escaping this layer of subspace. Right of Chaotica. Adam, let's hear your opening salvo. Bride of Chaotica. Um, this is a, it's a fun episode. Um, you know, obviously throughout, you know, we've been doing this years and years, there's numerous dozens of different, um, holodeck shows. And, you know, I kind of find it's like 50, 50, they either work or they don't. Some of them are really good and some of them are really bad, but this one I kind of found it's, it's fun. Um, it's a fun, it's a fun episode. Um, I don't know if I would categorize it as great, but I would say it was good. I mean, you know, obviously you have, Paris, who's always been into kind of um, 20th century pop culture, and this is kind of his way to explore that. Um, where I was reading some more, these are kind of an homage to, is it Flash Gordon, right, I believe? Yeah. That these are kind of homage to. So it's very campy, 1950-ish. You know, we've seen these, you know, we've seen Captain Proton here throughout season five. More 30s and 40s, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. you're probably correct. And so this is kind of an interesting way to, bring about this um, episode, you know, you get, you get these photonic beings who come over and they don't think that, um, you know, us carbon based life forms are real and they're interacting with the um, captain or the Chaotica, um, you know, Captain Proton storyline. And obviously there's a battle between them. Um, and it's fun. We get to see Janeway come out dressed up. She gets to be all dramatic as the, um, as the queen. Um, so it's, it's a fun episode and, you know, kind of, it flows well, it's edited well, um, and it's got a good look and feel. And so I enjoyed it. Steve? I, uh, I always liked the Captain Proton stuff. I, I think it's one of these episodes that the, uh, because of the, the theme and the unique way in which they present it make, makes it stick out and makes it memorable when in reality it's probably, a you know, an average to good kind of episode. You know, it's not like the characters really <laughs> advance or anything like that in this episode. And it's, um, but, but it's, but it's fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I like these kind of historical references and whatnot. To totally coincidentally, right now, um, 
TCM is doing this sci-fi theme stuff. Well, I guess it's because of the uh, 50th anniversary of the first moon landing and they played a uh, i watched all of the episodes of one of the cap the um, flash gordon serials and so yeah and just around the same time watching this episode so it's kind of fun to see how was that how did that hold up because i i tried some of those things i don't know a few years back and i had a hard time yeah it's it, it's not it's not very good i mean this this was the third of three yeah my understanding is there were three uh flash gordon serials uh in the 30s and this was the third. And so by this time, audiences would have, you know, they could have wheeled out just about anything and these same actors playing these characters and they would have dug it. But yeah, it's it's pretty, I mean, I have seen some serials that have some quality to them, you know, and th- I mean, this was just kind of, it was, it was okay, but it is kind of just go on and on and on and on and on. And, you know, it's just cliffhangers for the sake of cliffhangers and it's not so great. And I tried the... The first like screen appearance of Batman was one of the, was a yeah was some of those serials. I tried that. I really did. Oh God, it was, you know, famously that the Batman serial gave us uh, the Batcave. I believe. I don't think that was in, mm-hmm. in the comic stuff. I think that came from the serials. But man, I I found it really tough to watch. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah, darn you, unwatchable. Right. It's almost just that for historical reference or edification or something is about the only but yeah um incidentally if you uh, one one i think that is really good is the uh shazam captain marvel um serial of that that took place in the 30s i thought it was pretty good but anyway um of course as you've probably read the the villain in the flash gordon serial i mean the um chaotica is just you know looks almost just like him you know that's that's the one thing that's but otherwise there's a lot of uh, other references but yeah the episode i i think it's fun i think it's it's the uh the homage to that kind of you know notion it, it but it you know it doesn't raise any real big questions like so many kind of holodeck or holo holographic life form type episodes often you know raise it but it but it is entertaining i think it's certainly a novel use of the holodeck malfunction trope yeah yeah Yeah. and it's not like the safeties didn't work or something dumb that we've seen a million times either you know stuff like that they do kind of throw away this idea that didn't he say like 50 some odd of his beings were killed the photonic yeah yeah Yeah, that's what that's what that's kind of what they gloss over quite a bit and you know i think normally um if we were talking about an episode where they were just kind of glossing over the species that they encountered We'd be like, dude, what are they doing? That's not a very good way to handle an episode. But in this case, it should have been like, you know, some of us were injured or something, maybe. But just, but just saying, dozens of your people were completely killed and glossing over that in a yeah, they did. Just relatively comedic episode. That was the only thing that kind of yeah. I mean, it's, uh, they, yeah, nobody like Jane. What nobody seemed to have a and seemed to have too much of an interest in trying to make a real true first contact with these photonic beings. Even, even the doctor who he has, who he's, that's what he is. He's a photonic being. There wasn't, this is like, let's just play this, um, this um, Captain Proton episode out so we can get out of here. And there was, I, that, that was kind of maybe, I, I don't know if they just didn't have time or they just, yeah, they just kind of gloss over that. There's this life form from another dimension. That's photonic. And all right, all right, let's get out of here. I like the doctor is the president of earth. <laughs> right. Right. But, I like the doctor doing anything. Oh my God. Tuvok is hilarious in this episode when, yeah. What is it? Uh, there's that scene where Paris is like reading the, the <laughs> yeah. teletype or whatever it's yep. called. And he's like, blah, 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 stop. Blah, 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 stop. And then Tuvok <laughs> says, stop. <laughs> Please summarize the message. Uh, it's hilarious. 
Also, is this the first mention in the history of Star Trek? You guys know what I'm getting at here. Is this the first mention in the history of Star Trek of the crapper? Hmm. Right. Neelix says they only have four functioning lavatories and this is a big problem. And uh, I cannot remember any. And I, and I looked it up. I was trying to find out, but nobody seemed to note it. Uh, so I don't know if this is the first time they actually mentioned the actual restroom. When did they heard? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've heard the reference waste extraction, although it's vague. And I know that was an earlier on, probably maybe next gen, maybe DS9 a bit. But yeah, I remember hmm. in, in, in Enterprise, we got to see a shower. But the, obviously, that's after this. Yeah, yeah. What are you disappointed? You didn't get to see Picard's um, private bathroom. They're in the ready. His little. Well, we do see his sink, <laughs> not his toilet, in first contact. Right. You would think he'd have his own private toilet up there in his office. You know, his um. He he might. They might just rise out of the ground behind the table or something. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the chairs act, they double there's a little trap door that up, pops open on the yeah on the very convenient <laughs> it's very highbrow today on um trek companion yeah so a good a fun romp this episode and yeah uh you know re- worth revisiting you know what one thing i gotta say all the little touches were really really great the the the, the sets are really well done mm-hmm. obviously designed to work good and to work well in, in black and white all the fun little wipes and transitions and stuff they have are really great. But my favorite of the little touchy things are, is the music, the music, every yeah. time we cut into Chaotica's area and stuff, it was, it was so good. Mm-hmm. And they even, you know, mixed it tinny, you know, the EQ that was fantastic. That kind of stuff was, was what I loved the most. I thought Kate McGraw was good. I like, you know, they kind of, she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to. And then when she came out, she's, she looks good on the outfit and she plays it very well. It's very mm-hmm. dramatic queen. So she did a really good job <laughs> with the role, the dual roles that she had to do in this episode. What is this episode about? Um, yeah, Steve mentioned this earlier. Um, this might where we kind of might run into a little bit of trouble. What they're trying to say in this episode is um, kind of weak. Um, I don't know. You respect um, the past, I guess. I don't know. I'd, I'd be stretching or guessing. Did you come up with anything better, Steve? No. I mean, the one thing meaningful is that there's a a, a life form of a, you know, well, not not really unusual. I mean, by this time, we photonic life or holographic life we're f- quite familiar with in Star Trek. Um, but that it's things aren't what they seem, and one person's reality is something else just you know but but they don't really dwell on those themes enough to make it what it's about so i, I really would be yeah it would be a stretch to try to come up with something definitive all right let's do six degrees for bride of chaotica adam are you going first or second i guess i'll go first martin rayner will return one final time to play chaotica in the episode shattered is that season six or seven i'm gonna say six no. Steve. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Seven. No. <laughs> Yay. Episode five. Wait. Uh, Steve. Um, no, you can't at that point. Nicholas Worth plays Lonzak, Chaotica's evil henchman. He previously played a Lesepian captain in the DS9 episode Progress, where Kira has to convince an old Bajoran to leave his home. Was that season one or two? Oh, uh, yeah. Um... One? 
Our score is one to zero. Steve, moving on. Gravity, Season 5, Episode 13, Production Code 205, Original Air Date, February 3rd, 1999, Directed by Terry Wendell, Story by Jimmy Diggs, Brian Fuller, and Nick Sagan, Teleplay by Nick Sagan and Brian Fuller, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast includes Lori Petty as Noss, Joseph Ruskin as Vulcan Master, Leroy de Brazil as Young Tubok, and Paul Eckstein as Yost. <laughs> A Voyager shuttle manned by Tuvok, Paris, and the Doctor is pulled into a subspace gravity well and crashes on a Class D planet existing within it. With the shuttle too damaged to fly, the away team befriends Nos, an alien woman who crashed on the planet several seasons before them. As months pass, a romantic connection forms between Tuvok and Nos. She has been alone for many years. She appreciates our company. <sighs> no, I mean... She likes you. What are you implying? Oh, come on, Tuvok. You may be cold, but you're not blind. Need I remind you that I am married? Gravity. This episode always felt like kind of a a bit of a mishmash for me. It's got so many different things in it that maybe are a little bit too disparate to kind of thread together. But there are enough things in it that I like that I've always kind of remembered it. It's kind of a different take on Tuvok. Yeah, it's weird that I always remembered it, but I specifically remembered it for being kind of this melting pot of all these different things that just felt like they were like a lot of little leftover ideas from other things, and they tried to kind of try to put them all together, and maybe it works, and maybe it doesn't at times. But Steve, what what do you think of Gravity here? Yeah, I I like this one quite a bit. I, I agree that there are, it could be, I don't know, more tidy or something, you know, it's, it does have a lot of kind of ideas that probably they wouldn't need to have gone there to just kind of, it, it's almost a distraction. Some of the notions that it presents, um, things like, I mean, I get that to tell this long story, maybe you need to have this, this temporal differential notion going on, but it, it's almost a distraction because you suspect it to play more of a role than what it does, I guess. Um, but I think, I think it kind of makes up for it in, you know, it's one of these stories of one of these odd stories of character development that you get partially from, you know, flashbacks, retrospective, and partially from the now and they kind of come together to say, okay, you know, you, you learn something about something that you maybe couldn't have learned or couldn't have gathered from either just a flashback or just a, you know, some kind of something happening to that person, you know, and I think, um, you know, Lori Petty is great in this performance. Uh, you know, it's fun to see Joseph Ruskin, who we've seen way back when in the original series too. Um, and there's, a, you know, there's just, I, I think there's a lot of, lot of stuff here to like and, I, I enjoyed it, Adam. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with both of you guys. Um, kind of what I had written down, I kind of felt like they had if they would have rearranged some of the scenes in this episode, it might have flowed better. For one, um, I think if they would have had the um the scene with Tuvok and her where she's you know tending to his wounds and she kind of you know they they kind of touch on those feelings and then had Paris jump all over Tuvok about, you know, hey, because that first scene where Paris is jumping all over Tuvok about, you know, be happy, it just kind of felt out of place. Um, if they kind of said, what if... Yeah, it was too soon. It was like, where is this coming from? Like, it wasn't clear at that point that they'd been there for a longer, long yeah. time anyway, you know? Yeah, so I think if they would have kind of done a better job editing this, the flow would have been better. 
Um, I, um, you know, I, there you're right, Brad. There's a lot of stuff here. I just kind of, like I said, I think this it just didn't get edited tightly. If they would have re- rearranged some scenes, it would have made more sense. Like the time passage, you know, we didn't really know about that until the second half of the episode. I think if the audience was clued into that sooner, a lot of these things would have kind of made sense. Like, oh, there's this long passage of time. Then that connection seems because it just seems like they're there for a couple of days and now oh, she's in love with them. Then you got Paris ripping all over Tuvok. It just doesn't the flow just doesn't um, just doesn't make sense. But by the time you get to the end of the episode, you're like, oh, OK, that's what they're trying to do. And it's it, yeah, you, you kind of tend to I do like this episode. And you're like, OK, that's what they're doing. Um, the Gravity Well stuff I found I found interesting. The things on, on Voyager kind of sometimes, you know, it's kind of this place, you know, that's kind of the B story. And, you know, we had the A story going on there. But. Um, yeah, they, they had a lot of stuff going on, but yeah, like, okay. The, 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 the B story, first of all, I think we spent too, a little bit too much time with Voyager. Mm-hmm. I think that because it, it felt like we missed something mm-hmm. from this Tuvok Nas relationship, like I needed to see a little more to get there naturally. And so I feel that that Voyager stuff should have been shortened so we could have spend more time with yeah. Nas and Tuvok, but also. Like there was some like uh, yeah again just lots of different ideas here. They so they give us these aliens that are trying to seal the rift with the and there's a ticking clock of them firing the weapons right. But then we find out there's also a ticking clock that the sinkhole itself is collapsing anyway, right? Just a little too much. Right, right. So like why did yeah. why did they need both of those things first of all? That's the main point. Why did they need both? I mean, I just get rid of the whole alien thing altogether. Just voyagers looking for them and. Oh, we found them, but it's 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 just the sinkhole is collapsing. Okay, there, that's enough of a ticking clock. I kind of think um I kind of think they should it should have been six months instead of like two. Well, that's another point I was going to make. Like I think if this was made today, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they would have been there for two years. <laughs> yeah, because it's like when you find out at the end, it's only two months, and I'm like, really, Paris gave. I mean, after two months, you would still have hope. But yeah, maybe they're gonna. You know, it's kind of like. Yeah, I mean, it should have been a longer duration of time that they were actually on the planet. And it would have given that more of a yeah. Um, it should have been long, like it could have been long enough that they could have started to believe they were stuck there, and then a little bit longer so that you believe maybe Tuvok could. I don't know. Right. right. I don't know. It, it's just I feel it's, like I said, if they they would have re- maybe added more, ten, turn it into six months and rearrange some of the scenes, it would have flowed a lot better. I think this might be one of those examples that we kind of alluded to in some Enterprise episodes too, where it's kind of caught in the middle of television eras. You know, where mm-hmm. you, you know if they would have felt like they had more freedom to do something like that it would have been better but i do think like you guys are saying that there's 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 a lot of points that it's one of these i think that's it's a quite good that could have been great with some minor changes you know yeah for sure everything's there it's like you know we talk about episodes like well if they would have done this and not done that um it would have been great but i feel like everything's in this episode that needs to be in this episode it just needs to be rearranged a little bit and also i love Lori petty as much as the next guy maybe more I like her a lot. I have plenty of her movies in my film library. That, that Rachel Talalay movie she did, I, I love that movie, whatever, the comic book thing. Uh, anyway, but I do like her a lot. I think maybe she was slightly miscast here. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't kind of, I don't buy it as much as I want to. Maybe that's because the, the, the broken language holds it back a little bit. I always have a hard time with that kind of writing. I don't know. Right, right. But uh, it sounds like, Steve, it sounds like you liked her a lot here, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't 
I, I probably haven't seen her in as many things as you have. It sounds like, um, and and I I agree that broken language stuff can get when they when they do something like that, it kind of be distracting. It's really hard to pull that off and not be goofy no. or something, you know. But um, I thought overall, I I felt it was genuine. Well, one thing we haven't mentioned at all is the the Alden Young two box stuff. It's another example of like I like it out of context. I like it. I I like seeing Joe Ruskin as as, as well, but those what maybe three or so bookendy kind of uh young two vaccines they're probably redundant i mean he, he literally tells paris the story yeah so that i'm not sure that we really get anything from those scenes other than just seeing jo- joseph ruskin looking cool but how you guys feel about those scenes do were they illuminating at all i mean i i agree that it's almost redundant i think that if they if we could have saved that time where he's telling Paris maybe or some of it or some of those scenes and used it for time passage on the planet and more, you know, that kind of thing or something. But yeah. Well, uh, you know, what saves this episode for me, which makes me, what makes me like it, even despite these issues that I've, that I have with it is it all comes together in that last scene that when Tuvok has that mind meld with Nas and all, she doesn't say anything. And he, she just says, I understand. Thank you. Yeah, it's good. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's good. It's it's really good. It's really really good. And in that moment, I mean, you understand without hearing him say it, uh, everything that Tuvok is conveying to her, and you realize, yeah, he does have feelings for her. Mm-hmm. But you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that whole scene was not. I mean, even with Paris, you know, when he said goodbye to yeah. her, that was a yeah. The whole last five minutes of the episode was really was really good. What's this episode about? Um, it's about knowing, you know. I, Obviously, it's about knowing yourself and, and looking back in the past and knowing who you were then and who you are now, and it kind of all coming together in your own being. And that's what that's what it is for Tuvok. Even though he had all these feelings for Nos, um, he remembered what he was like, what um, what kind of love did to him. You know, it um, it created all these other emotions. And for Vulcans, as you know, any Star Trek fan knows, is that their their emotions are are so much. I don't know, just more intense they, that they can't handle them and they become erratic and on and unstable. So, and that's what Tuvok was trying to keep under control the whole, the whole time. Um, and so that's kind of what I took from it. And it's a very, very much a character building um, episode, obviously for Tuvok. Yeah. Learning who you were and where you came from and, and how that applies to you today. Yeah. I think it's, it's, kind of one of those deals where you know you're a product of your experiences you know it's kind of a no-brainer but you know sometimes little things come back and they become relevant again you know and you 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 learn from your your past and your the things that have made you who you are and uh yeah i thought i thought i think that's kind of more or less what they're trying to say let's do six degrees for gravity uh, score is the just let's see. Steve has one. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Joseph Ruskin plays the Vulcan master treating the young Tuvok. Are you game to name the original ep- series episode he starred in? Oh boy. Um, oh, I thought that would be super easy, especially with my hint. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the gamesters of Sir Skellion. Very good. <laughs> you would have gotten it without my hint, though. <laughs> it, it came to me right before you said it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 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 Very convenient, Steve. 
Uh, Adam Lori Petty plays Nas. Name the 1991 film she co-starred in that some people consider the greatest motion picture ever made. League of Their Own? It's the only one I can remember that she's in. No. Not League of Their Own. I don't know. I need to check the year on League of Their Own. Um, because uh, it's close if it was time anyone, and I might need to give it to you. It's pretty close, yeah. <laughs> but that's definitely not... Nope, that's 92. Very good. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you one more chance. Um, um, it also co-stars some dead presidents. Oh, Point Break? There you go. Point Break. <laughs> All right. Yay. I'm not your bra, bra. So I'm, I'm sure you enjoyed the, the remake well, as well, right? I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> the reviews were so terrible. I don't I think I not. saw it either. Uh, yeah, Laurie Petty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Point Break is what kind of kickstarted her career. I feel like I don't remember her from anything before that. But uh, the movie, the Rachel Talley movie, I couldn't remember the name of earlier. The comic book movie is called Tank Girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've seen Tank, Tank Girl, Girl. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Malcolm McDowell, Star Trek fans know as Soren, plays the villain in Tank Girl. Okay, uh, our score is two to one, Steve. Moving on. Bliss, Season 5, Episode 14, Production Code 209. Original air date, February 10th, 1999. Directed by Cliff Bowl. Story by Bill Prady. Teleplay by Robert J. Doherty. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast includes Scarlett Palmers as Naomi Wildman, W. Morgan Shepard as Katai, and Marva Hicks as Tapel. <laughs> 709 returns from a survey to find the crew has discovered what they think is a wormhole leading to Earth. A probe detects Starfleet signals containing letters full of good news to all the crew. Although the sensors detect erratic neutrino levels in the wormhole, Starfleet says the flux is unimportant. Seven, suspicious of everyone's unfettered optimism, investigates to find anomalies may be in the wormhole. The wormhole is not what it appears to be. I believe that the crew is being... Hold on. Wormhole? You weren't informed. Not a peep. Considering everyone's recent behavior, that's not surprising. Since the discovery of this wormhole, the crew has ignored obvious signs that it's a deception. You must determine if there is a physiological explanation. Seven of nine to the bridge. On my way. Well, what did you think of Bliss, Mr... Steve? Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. I I think it's kind of uh, I mean it, it's it's one of these you know we've seen this kind of thing in past treks where um, everyone but one or two falls into some trap and the other one the other ones who remain have to dig them out that kind of thing. So that's that's nothing new really. Um, I mean I think it's fine for that kind of thing. It's not it's not bad. I think it's it's paced and you're. Um, you know, you have this kind of one against many kind of um, vibe, you know, that makes you uh, that's exciting and you and you want to, you know, you're rooting for them and all this kind of stuff. But I don't think it's particularly special otherwise in that regard. You know, it's kind of just it plods along and, um, you know, you have the the guy that's been there forever who's the uh, grizzled old guy that sounds like a pirate and uh <laughs> You know, of course, you have some Moby Dick references thrown in there for good measure. And, uh, 
there you go. You know, so that, that's that's kind of that's kind of my opinion on this. It's kind of a forgettable episode, maybe, but it does have a, f- a few moments that I that I like that I always remembered. Uh, we'll get to that, uh, Adam. Your your thoughts here? Yeah, I kind of agree. It's a, it's an average episode. Um, like I said, Steve, they've touched on these themes before throughout um, just Voyager by itself. You know, wormhole. You know, we're going to get home. Everybody gets excited. We you know we've seen that. We've seen that in Voyager before. Um, I what I did kind of like about you know I enjoyed the scenes with um, Seven and Naomi. They're um, they're good together. We've seen it. We've seen it previously um, in the season. Um, I enjoy seeing them work together. They got good chemistry, and it's um it's an it's interesting to see Seven, who you know the character Seven and Nine Borg, all that stuff. You know, kind of interact with a child who's um totally different than anything that she's kind of experienced. Just kind of seeing her kind of grow to that and become friends with her. I kind of feel like Naomi's probably like her, probably like her best friend on the, um, on the, on the, sh- on the ship and the, and their relationship is cool. I enjoyed the, the scenes together that they both have together. Um, I like that moment that she like picks her up and carries her down the corridor. Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. Thing. It was such a normal yeah, natural for sure. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the giant cloud that, you know, tricks you into thinking that it's something you want and then it eats you. It's, it's kind of an interesting idea, but it's kind of flimsy in this episode. Um, you know, obviously Steve mentioned it. There's obviously the, the Moby Dick references, this, um, the, the other, the guy that they find, you know, he's been chasing this whale because it, it killed, um, you know, killed it, you know, killed a bunch of people that he knew. So those those things are are there. Um, I don't know. Like I said, it's um, it's yeah, I don't I didn't dislike it. I wasn't you know like halfway through the episode wishing it was over. But I mean, it's just kind of it's it's not it's not a remarkable episode. It's kind of just average, and it kind of it's kind of in a bad spot because we've had several really good episodes in a row. So this is um this is one that kind of doesn't measure up to those, but it doesn't mean it's not um not a that episode there was one moment for example that i liked there were there were a few i i like the stuff with the crew being all happy uh but creepy yeah <laughs> you know right when right. they tell seven that they need to put her in stasis kind of for her own good or whatever you know and chicote is like humor like making a joke out of it but being insistent it, it's it's really creepy <laughs> and pretty funny <laughs> um, there's several kind of scenes like that yeah, I think the the stuff that's the best really is just the Seven and Naomi stuff. They do have such great chemistry. They are so fun to watch together. And yeah, there's kind of almost like a it's not it's not it's, uh, part of it that it's her friend, but I think part of it too is is that Naomi is experiencing the the little girl like childhood that Seven didn't get to have because she was assimilated. Yeah, and you know, she can kind of has a second chance to re-experience that or something. There's something there. There's something in that you're headed in that direction about it. That's always very satisfying and worthwhile to explore. Yeah. And even in the teaser, when they're, when they're on the Delta flyer with Tom on there, that was, yeah. those were fun scenes. Yeah. And, then, and the actress Naomi is really good too. So. It's Scarlet. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I will also point out if you play the drinking game where you take a drink, every time somebody says step away from the console, hmm. Uh, then you were getting inebriated from this episode as well, which might be appropriate given the name Bliss. Hmm. Did get a bunch of <laughs> step away from the console in this one. 
there's something about that moment where it's all of a sudden they're looking at a picture of earth that just it fires home just how absurd it is and that the how much they're just being you know tricked or whatever but that that's kind of a neat moment when you see earth in the view screen and is it uh seven and naomi are are we at first i thought it was something like well they were on the delta flyer so they weren't there or something but what they're really saying is they're the only two that are interested in going to earth right that's what they're really saying right that's yeah, why i think that's the implication first. yeah that's what they're trying to say hmm. seems kind of a bit stretch you know because there's got to be some kind of something they want psychotropic chemical something there you can't just like you know here's what you want and we're gonna give it to you you know and so you go nuts you know yeah, that's why, you know, the fl- the creature, it's a flimsy premise. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to, you know, and they didn't even explain that, you know, is it, you know, does yeah. it think it's, does, does things instinctively, it, you know, it's, well, how does it, I didn't even really get how it affects you. Is it like pheromones or I, I don't know. It was kind of right. weird. Like you said, it was right. flimsy. They didn't do anything really to explain it. And it just, yeah, it was kind of, they're like, oh, we need something to pu- push the story along. Let's create a cloud that eats ships. Last thing I'll say about it for before what it's about, there's some sliver of, of it i don't know maybe it's doomsday machine or there's something about the storyline that ever so slightly reminds me of the original series and i think that's something else that i like about it but i recognize that it's a, at best a very pedestrian episode and that would have been cool if it was a, a kind of a doomsday-esque type weapon that they ran into yeah i think it might be the whole i mean part of it is you get some, I mean, there's the, there's a retro, I'm a doctor, not a reference in there, but I think it's also this idea of uh, the, the we should kill it, no, we shouldn't kind of thing, because that's not how we operate. You know, in the, in the original series, it was much more, they were constantly kind of like teaching people about moral values, or, you know, they were, it was all about morals, and, you know, it seemed like everybody but the crew were immoral and didn't care, and they would say, nope, it's, uh, this is how we do things here and this is the right way to go and I, I there might be a little bit of that in there too yeah okay now let's do what's this episode about things are what they always appear to be so um guess you should always question even good news um watch out for big ominous clouds that look like earth <laughs> um, i kind of think what i took you know you kind of pinpointed it a little better for me brian when you're talking about you know childhood lost and that's kind of i don't know this like i said what this episode kind of about was me for me you know entirely was the relationship between seven and naomi and you know i didn't think about it the way you said a minute ago you know she she feels this affection and this closest to naomi you know this little girl that she didn't she didn't get to be and um you know so yeah i think that's a better way to look at this episode. Well, I think I think that something that would have made it, you know, better maybe were to be to, to tie that the best part of it, you know, the uh, seven and Naomi parts to the the central part of the episode in some respect. And I'm not sure how you would do that exactly, but this idea that I mean, you know, they're they're in this state of ignorance, you know, the whole ignorance is bliss idea, you know, and. Uh, and ultimately, you don't even know the you don't even know the uh, motivations of him going back into it. You know, this guy at the end of the episode goes back into that cloud. Well, why? You know, yeah. <laughs> but maybe it's because you know that's that's the purpose. That's a thing. You know, even if it's even if even if death feels purposeful, you you know, you gravitate towards something that feels meaningful or whatever. Um, if they would have tied that into the whole, 
you know, lost childhood or what I'm gaining from our relationships and our relationship, you know, these two or some, somehow maybe that would have made it better. But maybe, maybe that's kind of what it's saying is that it, what, what is our natural state of gravitation towards something, you know, it, it, we can be deceived through that, you know, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky business, this whole idea, you know, of uh, the long term versus the, the, the short term of, of the short term gains, the, the bliss of the moment kind of thing. Well, certainly the weakest of the episodes today, but not, not, it has its moments. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a bad. No, it was. It's a, it's a, you were almost going to say good, and you realized you couldn't say that. No, no. It's a good average episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do six degrees for bliss. Uh, Steve has two, Adam has one. Steve, are you going first or second? I'm oh, first. <laughs> William Morgan Shepard plays. How do they say his name? Katai? Katai? I think Katai. Yeah, Katai like yeah. I'm not sure. The alien that assists Seven and Naomi. Name the planet his character worked on in Star Trek VI. Hmm. If you don't remember who he was, you just got to hear that voice. Hmm. Gosh. Praxis? No stockades. Only a force field which prevents beaming. Hmm. Adam, do you know the name of the planet that his character worked on? Um, Only had one eye. Steve's like, now he gets all the hints. I didn't get a hint. Um, mm-hmm. You said Praxis? Um, <laughs> so I'm, trying think, I'm trying to think, I'm trying well, to think of any other planet you could think of. I'm <laughs> trying to think of the damn moon that there was the ice moon that you're looking for, right? Praxis was the moon that exploded next to um, the Klingon world. What the hell was the name of the moon they were on? Um, damn, I don't remember. No more points, but Steve, you remember it now? I'm blanking right now. Rurapente. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's something, must be something about those words. We've been doing this podcast for so long, guys. I've, I I ask about the same crap sometimes. <laughs> and I, I know I've asked about Rurapente before, and it's just I like it because it's not rural. It's not, it's, it's like rura. All right, Adam, you have a chance to tie it up for the day. Shepard played a Vulcan science minister, I think he was a science minister, that chastises Spock for not choosing to attend the science academy, Vulcan science academy, in which Trek feature? That would just be Star Trek? Yep. It's remarkable that you've made it all this way, despite your disadvantages, or I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, again, it's his voice. He's got that. <laughs> he's got that voice. It's his voice. I bet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Two, 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 two. Tied for the day. Very good. Excellent. I got on a kick recently. I, I rewatched the next gen movies. Cool. Oh, nice. Boy, I really wish Paramount would. God dang it! It's so frustrating because it's all this, all these other studios that that own all this IP and they take such great care of it. And Paramount just sucks. <laughs> they just suck. <laughs> you know, all the Trek movies, except for Star Trek two, which they've remastered like twice, all the Trek movies look okay. Not, not talking about the JJ stuff, but Trek's one through 10, not counting two, all look bad on home video because they all used old, you know, masters with so much noise reduction that all the details have been scrubbed out. 
and see all these funny lines dancing and everything. All that, that is very frustrating and really annoying. And it's super true on the next gen movies. If only we could get Disney to buy Paramount. <laughs> but once I got over my annoyance about that, which maybe took half of the movies, but uh, I do like those. I do like the movies, especially First Contact, of course. But yeah, that was fun to revisit those because I haven't watched them in years somehow. I don't know why. Connor, what, what do you think is the weakest of them? Is it Would it be Nemesis or or um, insurrection easily nemesis yeah, i kind of have to agree i used to think it was i used to think it was insurrection and then yeah like you brought it's been a while but I've, i went back and i watched um insurrection a couple of years ago and i'm like you know it's, it's a good it's a it's a decent it feels like a really long next gen episode but it would yeah. be a really good next gen episode insurrection has fewer flaws and is better made and I think you could easily objectively say it's a better movie than Nemesis. For sure. However, if I had to choose, I would probably rather watch Nemesis and just fast forward through a couple of there are the couple of parts in Nemesis that I hate, I hate more than anything else in any of the other next gen movies. Like when they go down to that planet and they're on the dune buggies. Oh my god, I want to throw up. It's so terrible. <laughs> so not Star Trek in any way. It's so it's just stupid. It's just one of those moments you're like Ugh, why did they hire Stuart Baird? Ugh. Anyway, th- there are a few moments like that in Nemesis. But assuming I have a remote control and I can fast forward through them, the moments that I enjoy in Nemesis, I enjoy much more than any moment in Insurrection. Insurrection is just flat, pretty flat. It's a, it's a better story, Insurrection, but yeah, it's not it's not very accurate. It's, it's kind of slow paced. I mean, I love the, 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 the space battle in Nemesis. It's great. It's really good, sure. and it culminates with that. I mean, that that's like John Logan right there. You know, it culminates with that fantastic ramming speed sequence. It's, right, right. Yeah, I mean, that stuff is great. And you know, and I. This is the end of our podcast, right? This is people aren't going to be only like our hardcore hardcore listeners are still listening, so I can say this. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even watching it, knowing that it's very weak film, and most people hate it, and I totally understand why. Uh, and I ha- it has moments that I hate more than any other. Gosh, I guess something like, for example, that dune buggy sequence. I think I dislike that more than just about anything in any Star Trek movie. I never thought about that before. But that's probably <laughs> true. Oh, gosh, what was my point? Oh, yes. <laughs> Even knowing all of that, still, when Data sacrifices himself at the end there. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty good. It gets to me. Yeah. And I was thinking about, why? why does this work when this is not a good movie? Why does this work on me? <laughs> and this is going to sound so, but I, I immediately thought, I don't even know if this is right, but I just thought, because I feel like this, this man is my friend and I don't have very many friends. <laughs> That's what I thought. I felt like I was with this guy for 15 years, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, uh, Generations has big sections that I kind of... I don't hate, but that it, I mean, it massively slows down and stuff, but well, it's, yeah, there's so much insurrection and generations are so like episodic. It, you you kind of question how they became feet. They only became features because of the year of what it is, you know, I mean, otherwise it would the script, it just feels so mundane or whatever that it's just, you know, it's going along, you know, on that kind of well, thing. It, well, and generations feels more like an, because it's, you know, it's the, the D enterprise D, you know, they're, they're coming right off, finishing season seven they jumped right in that movie so 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I love the whole the sequence at the beginning with the bee and yeah, and yeah. Kirk yeah. is is, is yeah. great. I mean, it's really good. But do you dislike Nemesis? I, I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you dislike Nemesis? Steve, do you yeah. dislike Nemesis so much that you would rather they not have made it? No. Yeah, that's what I figured. Same with you, Adam. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. They made it. But I mean, you know, they made it on the cheap. That's when I would know. rather that they, yeah, that they went out with Nemesis than Insurrection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, but you know, First Contact is is great, flat out. No, yeah. no, yeah, it's the best of the no. And I, and it's just, it's just so great. That that's a movie I think I could just pop in and enjoy all the Anytime. time. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I've talked about it many times on our podcast, but so I won't tell the story again. But, you know, the day that I saw First Contact in the theater, I mean, it wasn't just the greatest single day of, like, Star Trek fandom for me with all those people and stuff. You know, I mean, it, it was one of the best, like, pop culture days. Yeah. It was one of the best movie-going experiences. It probably was the best movie-going experience of my life. And I'm a guy that goes to the movies a lot mm-hmm. and takes movie-going very, very seriously mm-hmm. and remembers everything that I see. Uh, and still that day was, it was just one of the best days of my life. It was so amazing. And it was because of a movie and it was because of that movie. So yeah, I would take, I would take a dozen nemesis, nemesi <laughs> for, for just to have one first contact. Absolutely. Well, folks, we're going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next three episodes of Voyager, which I think actually means a two-parter and a, and a single. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, that's what we're going to do in two weeks. And until then, you can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Companion. Our Twitter handle is at Companion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Thank you for spending an hour with us. Until next time, take it Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.